right. Well, welcome to church today. It's a little cold outside, but the sun's out. It's going to be pretty beautiful. I'm so glad that you're here. If you are a guest of ours in the room or online, my name is Mitch of the joy of being one of the pastors here at Redeemer City Church. Did you all have a good Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said, sure. I can't tell which one of you because you have a mask on. But uh, I feel you. I feel you. We had a great time at the Coon House and lots of excitement. And Christmas Eve was a beautiful service, just getting to pause and reflect on who God is and how good he's been to us. I love that scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And uh, we certainly have benefited from the goodness of God, haven't we? Yeah, Redeemer has been truly blessed by God, and that's because of you. It's because of all of you. So let me pray for us. And then we're going to jump into the last installment of God with us. Pray with me. God, thanks again for your goodness. Thank you for the chance to gather as your body, your bride, your kids. We love you, Jesus. And we're so grateful that you are with us, that that is a reality. That when you looked at your disciples and said that, you were going to go away and that it would be to their benefit. They couldn't possibly have imagined what the Holy Spirit would carry out for the glory of Jesus and the Father throughout the centuries to come. And yet here we are, gathered in your name, confessing that you are Lord with great joy at that good news. And so would you speak to us this morning from the power of your word, As Isaiah wrote, would it go out and not return empty? Would it accomplish everything that you desire that it would accomplish in our hearts today? And we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have a Bible, go to Romans. We're going to start in Romans 11. Then we're going to make our way into Romans 12. We are finishing up the series called God With Us. And of course, we sing the Christmas songs that say Emmanuel, right? And Emmanuel means God with us. But what we've been talking about for the month of December is why does God with us matter right now? Because oftentimes we get into the nostalgia of the story of Christmas and the fact that Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And we, we think about those things, but... Oftentimes, we, we gloss over what that has to do for your life right now. What does that have to do with our life as a community? And so we've been looking at different things that the Spirit of God present with us and among us and working through us actually changes. And today, I want to just close that out talking about this idea that God with us brings a radical new life. Last week we celebrated Arturo's baptism. If you missed that, you can go watch the the service last week. And what we celebrate in baptism is the grace of God breaking into somebody's life and taking what was old and making it new, passing from death to life. We celebrate that. And then there's this amazing phrase that we say every time because it comes straight from Scripture that we are raised to walk in newness of life. 
And that is the reality that the old is gone, the new has come. And yet Paul in Romans 7 is so honest with us in saying that I have been transformed. But I still do some of the things I don't want to do. And I don't do some of the things that I really want to do. And we all could give a big amen to that because that's just our experience as followers of Jesus on this earth. Because as we talked on Christmas Eve, we're broken people living in a broken world with other broken people. And so we long for the day when we see Jesus face to face again and live new with him in, a king, in his kingdom. However, there still is a reality that God with you brings a radical new life. Think about this statement. We're going to put this statement on the screen for you. A radical new life. Because see, what do I mean by that, right? Like, what do you mean by radical? Do I have to be weird and like go live on a mountain by myself? No. Here's what I mean. A radical new life. One that God inhabits, right? God with us, Emmanuel, the Holy Spirit in you, is marked by genuine love. And I think you and I know that. But the question is, are we living that? Are we living that? A radical new life, one that God inhabits, is marked by genuine love. Why radical? Why that word? Why radical? (laughs) Because God with us creates an entirely new heart and soul. Think about that. That you could be one person on Tuesday... And when God enters your life by the power of the Holy Spirit and seals you with the Holy Spirit, as Scripture tells us, you could be a completely different person on Wednesday. Like, we actually believe that. And honestly, I think most of us in this room could say, I've experienced that. I've experienced the transformation that comes with having the Holy Spirit. It creates this opportunity for our soul to breathe, for our soul to live, right? Because that's what Ephesians 2.10 tells us, that you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, right? But why genuine love? If this radical transformation comes, why can't I just do that and live that way and change my thinking because the reality is is we can't it has to be genuine right we we know this because forced love doesn't last think about that forced love if if i go to my wife camden and say love me how many of you think that she's going to love me really well in that environment of course not we we understand this we understand how it works because only genuine relationships last right performances end I think about the words that Jesus said when he was telling his disciples that many will come to him in that last day and stand before him and say, God, we did all these things in your name. And he's going to look at them and say, depart from me. I never what? Knew you. He's looking for a relationship. He's looking for transformation that comes only from what he can do in you, not what you can do in you and for him. It's important. To think that through because genuine love transforms the heart. Right? And scripture speaks to this all over the place. It would say some, some things like, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
That's a tough one. (laughs) But genuine love ultimately is a gift from God to his kids. Is a gift from God to his kids. Let me let me show you what I mean here in Romans 11 verse 29. Listen to this. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You know, there's a great debate about whether one can lose their salvation or if one can lose their status in the family of God. And what scripture is laying out in whole is that when God adopts you into his family and gives you a gift to use for his glory, it is irrevocable. Just because you might have gone wayward for a year or five or 30 or whatever the case may be, or maybe next year you're going to go wayward. The reality is, is just like the prodigal son, the father stands there waiting for you to welcome you back. It's the beauty of grace. It isn't fair. Why? Because look at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. He just, he leads an entirely different category of existence. And so when we are indwelt with his Holy Spirit, we take on a radically new life. One marked by genuine love and there's a reason for it. Look at verse 36. For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So this radical new life is marked by the fact that God with us brings transformation. It brings actual change into your life because at that point he receives glory and not us. One of the really difficult things to watch sometimes as a pastor is when... um, other pastors or Christian leaders fail. Um, There's been some high-profile ones recently. And the reality is, is this is a personal belief, is that any one human being is not designed to carry the glory that is reserved for God. The Scripture tells us that God shares His glory with us, but it's His, Right? It's his. And so we, we fight the idolatry that is fame and fortune and power because we were not made to handle it. Glory belongs with God because from him, through him, and to him are all things. Human beings are made in God's image and in his likeness. And we're to be in relationship with him. And so genuine love comes from that transformed heart, transformed minds, transformed soul. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because just right in the flow, I think we know these verses, but we often forget the context in which they sit. Right? That we are thinking about the fact that grace is, in fact, not fair. And God has graciously given us these irrevocable gifts that we do not deserve for His own glory to be played out in us forever, which is good news for you and I, because we weren't made to carry that, comes to this. So Paul is going to make this appeal to the people in Rome, 
And he's making it to you and I today. Here's what it says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God. So often we look at the rest of verse 1 and verse 2, forgetting that it's only by the mercy of God that you can do these things. And that's so incredibly key. Because if you try to do these things without recognizing that you have tasted and seen the Lord is good and that he's a good father and that he loves you and offers you his power to live through you and in you for his glory, you will burn out. You will absolutely be frustrated with the Christian life. Because only Jesus can do what he's called us to do. And so without him living in you and through you, you will not make it. It's the way we were made to be reliant, to be trusting, to always be vision up. Hebrews, fix your eyes on Jesus. And so what does that look like? It looks like this. By the mercy of God, I can present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking toward him, right? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He must increase. I have to decrease. Why could he say that? Because that was the best news that he could have been given because God was now with them. So it's our spiritual worship, verse 2. What are the marching orders of that? What does that look like in my life on Tuesday? Do not be conformed to this world. Question, class participation, easy or hard? Hard. Try again. Easy or hard? Hard. If you're online, hard. (laughs) Do not be conformed to this world. It's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult. And let's just lean into that for a second. Are we talking about hairstyle and jacket style and boot style? No. No. We're talking like Romans 1 different. You can wear skinny jeans and still believe the truths of Scripture and you will not be conformed to the pattern of this world. It will take about a millisecond for you to offend somebody. And you should just be ready for that, right? Paul told Timothy when he was getting ready to pastor, all who desire to live live a godly life will suffer persecution. Not might, will. So if if you never do, if you're never at odds with the world and the worldview of the world, there's an entirely different problem, isn't there? So what Paul's saying is, don't be conformed to this world. Well, Well, that's difficult. So how do I accomplish that? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. (laughs) Daily relationship with the one who made you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing, right? Again, difficulty, trials, by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect? I love that. Oftentimes we hear things like, don't conform to the world. But what I think God's actually saying is, kids, don't conform to the world. I'm offering you this opportunity to be transformed by the renewal of your mind by spending quality time with the Lord. 
there's a transformation that will take place and you will be able to discern the will of God, what's good for you, what's acceptable, what's perfect. You see, because there is, Scripture tells us, pleasure in sin for a season. If you follow the ways of the world, conform to the world, and do what you want to do, you're going to have a good time for a while, for a season. But what comes on the back end of that is emptiness, not satisfaction. Brokenness, not shalom. God is giving us what it looks like to do life with him. And it's a radical new life. If you go to Romans 12, 6, he begins to lay out what that looks like for the body of Christ. He says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he'll go on and he'll talk about that a little bit. But he would tell the same thing to the church in Corinth. That every single person in the body of Christ has been given something to use by God. That he's come into our life and he's transforming us by the renewal of our mind. As we worship him. And he's given us a gift of grace. A way for you to be used as a part of the body of Christ. And we collectively come together and live out what it means to be in the body. So what are the marks of this kind of love then? So if, if there's this transformation that takes place, and it's to be genuinely loving, what does that look like? I want to encourage you this morning with 20 marks. You're getting scared. You're like, how are we going to, how are we going to get through 20 things? I'm going to go fast. But I want you to see this full picture of what it looks like to be marked by love. What it looks like to be marked by genuine love. What are these blessings that come from God? What are these gracious gifts that come only from God in this actual reality that if I will surrender to the Holy Spirit every day of my life afresh, there is a completely newness of life that I get to live in. What does that look like? Look at verse 9 of Romans chapter 12. The first phrase is this, let love be genuine. That's where it begins. We've been building this case that God with us brings this radical new way of life that is marked by genuine love. And I love that phrase, right? It says let. Isn't that important? Let love be genuine. Because, in fact, love is genuine. Because God is love. Scripture tells us that God is love. Love is a person. Love is Jesus. Love is the most genuine person ever. What does love look like? It looks like God stepping out of heaven to come and be with us. To walk among us. To be with us. To give his life for us. John tells us that greater love has no man than this than he laid on his life for his friend and God has called you friend. And so we're seeing genuine love is Jesus. And so as our vision is up and fixed on Jesus and then he comes into your life and begins to 
let love be genuine, as we surrender to that, as we participate with that, what does that look like? 20 blessings, 20 marks that come from the fruit of a relationship with God. Are you ready? 20 of them. Here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Stay with me. It says, let love be genuine. What's the first mark of that? Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. The first thing that will begin to happen in you as you renew your mind in Christ is that your desires will change. And for so many of us, that is good news because we wrestle our desires. The, our flesh and our spirit are at war with each other. We experience that Romans chapter 7 kind of battle in our minds and hearts. And so as we let love be genuine, as we fix our eyes on Jesus and he comes into our life and begins to transform us by the renewing of our mind, we begin to have a shift in what we want. Anybody have a big wanter? My wife tells me I have a big wanter. My desires change. It goes from Romans 7 to Romans 8, right? I'm not doing the things I want to do. I'm not doing the things I want to do, but thanks be to God. Nothing can separate me from the love that is in Christ. Verse 10. Number two, love one another with brotherly affection. How's that going? (laughs) Holidays are deemed the most wonderful time of the year, but it also could be deemed the most grumpy time of the year. Could it not? With the malls and the, all the things. Love one another with brotherly affection. Why brotherly affection? Because blood is thicker than water, isn't it? It's one thing for you to stick up for somebody who's maybe being treated poorly. It goes to a whole other level when it's your family being treated poorly, isn't it? We understand that. We live that reality. It's like, I can yell at my siblings, but you can't. You know what I'm talking about. And so the Bible is very clear that, that we're in a real relationship with each other. And so there's going to be things, right? There's going to be things. A lot of the New Testament is devoted to working out all the things. But at the end of the day, if you are a child of God, there is a brotherly affection that is available for your relationships to each, to each other and within us as Redeemer City Church that should transcend what the world can offer. There should be greater satisfaction of relationship in this body than you can find at work, that you can find anywhere else in the world than with the people of God. There's a sweetness to this that is called brotherly affection. Affection is a great word because it kind of arrests our attention and and makes us think about what what does it mean to have affection for somebody? It means to care for you more than myself, to want your good. Then it goes on to this, number three, third blessing, outdo one another in showing honor. I love that. Seeking the good of somebody else. Outdo, I mean, Is that happening in the church? Not just Redeemer City Church, but the body of Christ. What if that would just be the leading attitude? 
outdo. It's like we're all competitive. What if we got competitive about showing honor to people? <laughs> would change everything, wouldn't it? What if, what if the world saw the church doing that? It's possible. It is possible by the renewing of your mind daily in the Lord to live that. Keep going. Number four, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Participate in the future. What, what did Jesus tell us to pray? He said that, that, that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. What does that look like? It looks like serving hot dogs on Tuesday night. That's what it looks like. 15,000 plus, by the way. How cool is that? But even cooler than the hot dog, those are 15,000 conversations and prayers that are happening every day with people who may or may not ever set foot within the walls of Redeemer City Church. But their conversations, their seeds being planted, that's what it looks like to have fervor in spirit to serve the Lord. And we can go on and on and on. There, there's so many different things that are happening within the body of Christ that are moving the ball forward, that are bringing the kingdom on earth as in heaven. It's, a, it's simply participating in the future. Participating in what God's doing on the earth. We keep going. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. We've all faced tribulation. We've all faced difficult times. We've all been alive in 2020. But what, is it, what does it look like for a Christian to walk through a pandemic? We've seen a whole lot of Christians react in a whole lot of different ways to a pandemic, haven't we? Mask or no mask. Gather or don't gather. Lockdown or no lockdown? Am I speaking anybody's language? Did anybody feel this tension at all in 2020? Yeah. We go to our we go to our election. We go to racial tension. We we, we can go to any number of things and look and say the world doesn't have an answer for the problems that it faces. What does God call His kids to do? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. What does he say then? Be constant in prayer. Why do I need to be constant in prayer? Because at any moment, things can change. Your whole world can be disrupted in an instant. Constant in prayer. Relationship again. Number 10. Nope. Number 8. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Number nine, show hospitality. Generosity. Generosity. Is it, is, it a, is it a downer for you to give stuff away? Or is it a joy? That's a hard one. That's a hard one. For many of you, I know it's a joy. For so many of you, I know it's a joy to give and be generous and we've seen it. 
It's amazing. Let's keep going. Number 10, verse 14. How's this one going? Bless those who persecute you. (laughs) Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. (laughs) He knows we can't do that. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now, now, now I know you know that you need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Maybe some of those other ones we can fake. Not that one. Because here, here's what happens. It's, like, it's one thing if you do it to me. It's another thing if you do it to my family. Right? Like we understand these things. Don't cut me off in traffic. He feels my uh, feels my pain. I'm just confessing my sins, guys. Bless those who persecute you. Is this seeming like a radically different life than the one we naturally live? This has to come from somewhere else than what we can muster up inside of us, because to do these things all the time is impossible, apart from Christ. Keep going. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Draw near to the broken. Celebrate the good. Right? This is, how do we, how do we vacillate between these things? If we have a brother or sister who gets hurt, we're concerned. If we have a brother or sister who has a win in life, we're excited. We know what, the, we know what this is. Like being a dad, I've got three kids, uh, 10, 8, and 4. And it's amazing how one of them can be rejoicing in something and another one can be acting like they're dying at the same time. And we have to we have to manage between the emotions, right? Yay! What's wrong? Ah, uh, right? And and we 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 live that way with our kids, but in reality, aren't we as adults just as bad? We are. We are because because we still right like what is what does scripture tell us we all like sheep have gone astray we've all turned after our own way and and we do this and we do this frequently and so we're we're living between these because number verse sixteen number thirteen we want to live in harmony with one another live in harmony with one another how how do you make harmony in music you're very together. You're not the same, but you're together. You recognize the different gifts that God's given graciously to the body of Christ, right? I love what I love what uh, Paul told the, his friends in Corinth, right? That the the eye can't say to the hand, "I have no need for you." You know, nobody nobody thinks about their kneecap till somebody hits it, right? Like nobody nobody thinks about your elbows till it hurts. Nobody thinks about your earlobe till somebody pinches it, right? Like we, we don't think about a lot of things, you know, like we, we may think about our eyes or our nose or our mouth or all like our hands. But any one part of the body gets affected. Every other part of the body rushes to that aid. Same with us. Verse, number 14 and verse 16. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Draw near to the broken. There's a humility that marks the people of God. 
to draw near to the broken. And how about this one? Number 15, never be wise in your own sight. <laughs> Don't you love, like, James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. That is not 21st century United States of America. What, what it's turned into is, I'm going to speak, you're going to like it, and you're going to celebrate it, otherwise you're a bigot. And that's, that's the culture we live in. What does it look like to not be conformed to this world? Never be wise in your own sight. You want to you talk about looking different? You want to talk about being salt and light? Being the city set on a hill? Never be wise in your own sight. Here's the good news in that. You don't have to be. Because you have a God who wrote a book. Right? And you can always be sharing His wisdom. Right? Not not mine. You don't need my ideas. <laughs> you need God's. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Yikes. If possible, aren't you glad for that qualifier? <laughs> if possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. Listen, we could stop right there and just begin to confess our sins to the Lord, couldn't we? If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Peace is a mark that genuine love has taken root in your life. Number 18 and verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Rest. Rest. We, we spend a lot of our time worrying about things that are happening around us. And God just simply says, live at peace. Don't repay evil for evil. Rest. Rest in me. In fact, number 19, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's not like going to kill him for you, by the way. I don't have time to break it down, but you should, you should go dig into that a little bit <laughs> this, this week. Because it's not saying that God's going to do what you want him to do. You ever hear the phrase, kill him with kindness? It's closer to that. And then finally, number 20. What is the mark that genuine love has come? What is the mark that you've let love be genuine? It goes back to where verse 9 started. It says, do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. What values rise from this new life in Christ? What, what, are, what are the values that come into your life from, from these 20 statements that Paul makes to Christians? I want to give you three. Draw near to the broken. 
repeatedly comes up there. Draw near to the broken. Celebrate the good. We're not good at that. We're very good at finding all the problems. And we're not good at celebrating what, what is good all around us. If you will look, you will see good all around you. No matter how hard it gets, there will always be good to celebrate. And you know what happens when we don't celebrate the good? Those good things around us get neglected, right? When we experience a loss in one area of life, it can suck the life out of the good area of life. And I don't want to get into a lot of examples of that, but I I think that you can follow and connect those dots. Draw near to the broken, celebrate the good. And then the third one is to participate in the future. To be an active participant in the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Because what is the path here that the gifts and gifts and calling of God are irrevocable? He's placed himself in you with the depths of riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. He's moving in the world in ways that we don't always see. Because from him, through him, and to him are all things, including our life, for his glory. Not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind, drawing near to the broken, celebrating the good, participating in the future. This really is a a picture of the communion table, isn't it? Just as we think through this and and settle in on this, think about the confessions that we have to make as we come to this text in Romans. We have to confess that we, in fact, are broken, don't we? That in reality... We are not who we're supposed to be. That in reality, these 20 things that mark a true follower of Jesus, we are, we are not living that out. We're broken. We're broken people. But what do we get to do at the communion table? We get to celebrate the good. The good news that Jesus has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Listen, if you're not a Christian today or if you're watching online or you watch this later or you hear this later, the reality is is that this is the confession of Christianity, that we are broken and that we are not good, but we celebrate the fact that we have somebody good who stepped in to rescue us in our brokenness, that Jesus Christ came to earth to be with us so that we could be right with God. And as a result, right with each other. Where, does, where do those 20 things come from? The power of God that comes through Jesus Christ. We are broken. And we're celebrating that good news has come to us. We celebrate his goodness. And then what about that third one? As a result of God breaking into time and space with us. He looked at us, he looked at his disciples and said, now go. Now go into the world and make disciples. Participate in the future that I am creating. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses to move through us, through his people. 
the weak things of the world. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that we actually participate with him in his body and blood. What a powerful thing that, that these, these things that we cannot do, we actually can do when we will surrender to the Lord. Recognizing that we're broken. Celebrating his goodness and faithfulness. And then participating with him in bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our vision goes up, then it goes in, and then it goes out. We begin to look with him in a completely different way when we've experienced a transformation that comes from a transformed heart, which only comes by reorienting our life to look up. That's the radical new life that comes from God actually being with us.